This is the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Goldschmidt hits it a ton. Center field at the wall. Gone! Paul Goldschmidt is homered in four straight. And that's lifted in the air down the right field line. Gone! And a high fly ball. Edmund was running. Marte back at the wall. Goodbye! It's another home run. This time, Fowler and a two-run shot. And the hits just keep on coming. Danny Mack and Brad Thompson on the call today in Pittsburgh, where the Cardinals come away with a rare four-game sweep on the road. A 6-3 to three victory today. 30 runs the Cardinals scored in the four games in Pittsburgh. And now they are on their way home, where they'll take on Houston tomorrow. But overall, Ron, a terrific day for the Cardinals. A lot of gr- great things happening. And at the conclusion, as Danny Mack said, the Cardinals are in first place, tied with the Cubs in the National League Central. Well, guess what? Tied for first. It's tied for first. Yeah. Thanks. Go ahead. T- thanks, Tony. Let's listen to him. Yeah, Tony, tied for first. Uh, look, I'm going to tell you, this is exactly what they needed to do coming out of the All-Star break because we talked about what they might do leading into the trade deadline and how very likely or possible, I shouldn't say likely, but how possible it could be that they could bury themselves. But you know what they did instead? They've effectively buried the Reds for this season. They've effectively buried the Pirates, Mm -hmm. I think, for this season. And who knows? Those two teams could still go on some kind of run, but I doubt it. I was never really confident in their chances for this year anyway. But And maybe that sweep of the Diamondbacks, too, because Arizona was thinking that they might have a chance, and then the Cardinals come out of the break with a sweep of them. Great thinking. Yeah, Yeah. that, that changed their perspective, too. So, so far, they have done exactly what they should have done, and that is take care of business against teams and bury teams in your own division. Now you got to worry about the Brewers. you got to worry about the Cubs. There's still a lot of work to be done, but it's good that we're sitting here on July 25th. We're less than a week away from the trade deadline, and they are currently taking care of business. Raj, I know a lot of people are not appreciative of the quote-unquote quality start. Six innings, three earned runs. That's an earned run average of 4.5. But Miles Michaelis gave you a quality start today. Six innings, five hits, three runs all earned. Struck out five and walked one. Only threw 81 pitches, but for the Cardinals and in baseball 2019, that's what you need. Then Gant gives you a scoreless inning. Andrew Miller comes in and gives you a scoreless uh, inning and a third, and then Carlos Martinez finishes up with a scoreless two-thirds of an inning, and the Cardinals are able to hang on for the victory. And At one point, by the way, the score was 6-1, to one, if you aren't aware of it. But the bullpen once again comes through for the yep. Cardinals, and when you can limit the amount of pitches that and outs that your bullpen has to deliver then you're going to be much better off because you're going to keep their workload down and you're going to keep them fresher no one's going to be fresh in september but you're going to keep them as fresh as you possibly can as you get into august and then you get into september because we are we're currently in the hot part of the summer and it's going to get probably a little bit hotter 
here as we move forward in the next few weeks. So these days and every single game these guys have to pitch, having to pitch in humidity as well, it's, it, it's tiring for them. And the goal is to not wear them out. Everyone's going to be tired to some extent in September. But the bullpen is the kind of thing that you could wear out in a hurry. And if you do overuse them for a couple of weeks or three weeks, that can have implications down the road. So the best thing to do to manage this thing and to keep everybody in, in relative health is to make sure that pen does not have to throw more than it needs to right now. And so far in the last few starts, well, we've had a couple here lately where the guy hasn't gone uh, past the fourth inning, and that can't happen. But getting a quality start like getting today, that's really important for them. One of the other things that's happened here, and this goes back to the pitching, but the, the offense as well, is that the Cardinals have put things together. There were so many times during the first half of the season where they, they would score runs, but they would al allow more. Or they would pitch well, but they wouldn't score. Or when, score in the first, and that be that would be it right. for the game. The, the only time, and by the way, I misspoke. They, uh, they lost that opener out of the All-Star break to Arizona. Took two of three from the D-backs. The only time that they have lost a game in which they uh, allowed three or more runs was, or more than three runs, was that game against Arizona. Otherwise... You win in games 4-2, 5 6-5, 7-4, when you need to score a bunch, 12-11 against the Reds. You win 3-1 uh, against the Reds, and then all of these games, 6-5, 4-3, 14-8, When you need to get offense, you're getting offense, and that didn't happen much at all during the, except for uh, April during the first half of the season. No, and, and really, for the most part, the bullpen's been doing a pretty good job of maintaining these leads I know there have been some that have gotten away here in the last couple of weeks but overall by and large they've done it right I mean they've they've kept them in position to win games we've seen some shakiness out of their current closer Carlos Martinez today he allowed a hit he hit a batter one pitch got away from him but he got the double play ball to end the game and that's all that really matters at this point want to make sure he's pitching some clean innings more often than he is not needs to get into that kind of mode because if we keep flirting with this like what he was doing getting the tying run uh, to the plate and if you do that a lot eventually it's going to come back to bite you but overall the bullpen has done a really nice work in particular the middle relief guys and the setup mm -hmm. guys have done an excellent job lately I wonder if Carlos has completely embraced the closer role Probably, I, don't, I, I don't know man I, he just doesn't he he doesn't look the same on the mound. No, it, it's difficult to go from being a starter, who's still in the prime of his career, by the way, mm -hmm. to be moved to the bullpen. And I, I really don't know what in the world is going on. I don't know why he's – I don't know what it is about his shoulder, if it's shoulder strength. I can't imagine that it's still a strength issue for him this deep into the season. For somebody who, by now, he should be strong enough to start games. I don't really understand why we're – why we're in this spot but for whatever reason they don't feel like he can do it right now so I don't know if it's a situation where they've said look Carlos we just don't trust you uh, maybe not in so many words but essentially I don't think saying, they we do I, well yes <laughs> so instead of having you start games we're going to put you in the bullpen I almost feel like it's not the best position for him because we have seen him in the past and this is not unusual for a starter a good starter to struggle in his first inning and then to settle down after that, and, and by the time it's over, he gives you six or seven, and he's given you a quality start, but that first inning looks rough. Well, now imagine that's the only inning you get is that first inning. 
and you look rough in that inning, you don't have any time to make up for, for what you've done. So it, it's not really my favorite thing for him to be doing. I still think he's the best pitcher on the staff. I, I would just really like to know what the what the inner workings of all yeah. of this are. And as Mike Schilt mentioned the other day, he's getting the 27th out. That's the job. And Mike Schilt is he's not worried about style points at the moment. But as we talked about yesterday, when you're allowing as many runners as he is, and he allowed two in two-thirds of an inning of work today, eventually when you allow runners, especially in scoring position, they're going to score. Somebody's right. going to get a hit to score right. somebody. You can't flirt with that for too long, and that's what we're talking about here. So I don't know if ultimately he bears down and, and starts to get it done, starts to have some clean innings, go one, two, three. I don't know the last time he's done it. I can go back and look at his game log, but I know it hasn't been the last several times. At least five of the last six, he's put some guys on base. And in, in and I think in all of those five, somebody has scored. So you can't keep living like that. Fortunately for the Cardinals, they're, being, they're able to cover it up right now because they're getting so much good offense. And hopefully that continues. Back in the day, in the late 70s, early 80s, when the Orioles were really good, they had a... Uh, closer named Don Stanhouse and he had that sort of a, an approach and Earl Weaver smoked in the dugout and Earl called him like a, a pack a day pitcher his nickname was Stan the man unusual uh, <laughs> because he was a weird guy closers tend to be weird guys and he was always in trouble but he always wound up getting the last out <laughs> look that's hey uh, maybe for two and a half months well not even two and a half or we're just over two months maybe he can live that way Maybe he can make it interesting every single night, but, you know, bend but don't yeah. break. You, you've heard of those uh, NFL defenses. They say bend but don't break. Mm -hmm. You can allow a bunch of yards but don't allow a bunch of points. Maybe that's ultimately going to be him. I don't know. And here's the, the bottom line I said about uh, Carlos. He looks different on the mound. He used to play with such joy. He was the guy that when somebody hit a home run, he would throw the water in their face. and yeah. he, he had the different colored hair. And obviously, he, a lot of people didn't like the hair color thing because they thought it affected his performance. I tend to disagree with that. but You disagree because it doesn't. Okay, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but I, I wish that uh, he could get back some of that joy that he played with before. And maybe he has it, but it's not as demonstrative. We don't, you can't see it. And maybe you can't see it because he's only pitching one inning and he's spending most of his time in the bullpen. I, I don't know if that's it. I, I, I really would like to know what the situation is, why they truly feel like he can't do it, if it's a health thing. I know they're talking about or they did talk about focus a few weeks ago. I'd like to know what that means. I does, would it, does it really yeah. mean that you – because if, if right now you think he can't focus for six or seven innings but can only give you one, well, then what's happening in these innings where he's putting all these guys on base? Is he not focused in the ninth inning then? I just, I, I just I don't really understand what's happening here. It's the fast lane on 101 ESPN. The Cardinals did score six today in Pittsburgh, and the offense that we've been waiting for all year appears to be here. That's next in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. The Cardinals tied a club record with 12 home runs in their series in Pittsburgh. The power is back, and as Danny Mack mentioned, four home runs in four games for the Cardinals. And, Ron, I don't know what it is, but – Going all the way back to when you started following the Cardinals with Jack Clark and McGuire, Pujols, maybe 
Paul Goldschmidt. The Cardinal Sluggers have always hit well in Pittsburgh. Albert, in his career in Pittsburgh, had a 1.17 OPS. He had 422 plate appearances, 30 homers, and 88 runs batted in. A 376 batting average in Pittsburgh. Pujols did. Well, I also, he was just a Hall of Famer. I, yeah. what, what are, I should go back and look at his numbers at every single ballpark in his career. I, without looking, my guess is there's a lot of 900s and 1,000s uh, in every park. In terms of OPS? Yeah. I believe that was his highest. So let me, I'll go back and check it here. Uh, again, let's see, we've got ballparks, OPS. His highest was uh, actually Washington. Pittsburgh was fourth. He had a 1.18 at Qualcomm, a 1.17 at Shea, and then the 1.17 at uh, PNC as well. Yeah, and, and some of those he didn't play a ton of games in, but I think on the counts I just saw about 13 different ballparks. He had an OPS over, over 1,000. That's, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. And I know some of those he only played like maybe three or four games. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they clearly like playing in Pittsburgh right now. They've had pretty good success against that team over the years. And right now what we're seeing from Goldschmidt is, and I, I, I didn't really want to pick on him specifically when the team was struggling to score it's runs. But you know what? He's the best yep. offensive player on the team, and he needed to start performing like it. And guess what? He's doing that. Four and home runs in four days for him now. And he's going well. Paul DeYoung is going well. Jose Martinez is going well. And Mike Schilt has the middle of his lineup going well. You know, yeah, surely when you got two of your bigger guys that are that are rolling, it helps. But to your point, it also helps when, you know, everyone's doing their part. You know, Colton's taking really good, really good at bats. Martinez continues to take good at bats. Um, Munoz taking good at bats. Weedy and Kiz are taking good at bats. Um, you know, all the way through the line of Dexter's taking really good at bats. Um, so really just a team effort in that regard, which allows them to turn it over to get to those guys. And obviously the two Pauls are, are having, you know, good good swings. It's interesting how things seem to have changed when Schilt told his guys, look, be more aggressive, swing hard. I mean, swing hard in case you hit it. And once they started doing that, maybe their strikeouts went up a little bit, but they started hitting home runs like everybody else. And they were striking out quite a bit at the, at the beginning part of the season. I, I don't know if, if this team can play any better, to be honest, than what they're doing here in the last week or, or 10 days, however you want to call it. I think... This is probably it. And you know what? This is really good. Now it's just a matter of how long can you keep doing what they're doing right now. And hopefully it's something that can extend at least for a while. As you mentioned at the top of the show, they're tied for first place right now. They've got the exact same record as the Cubs atop the National League Central. So there is still an opportunity. And when you have over two months of the season left to go, you hope this offense can continue to carry you because this was supposed to be one of the strengths of the team. At least they thought it was going to mm -hmm. be going into the season. That, and for, for me, I thought the bullpen was in really good shape. Of course, you lose Jordan Hicks, so that, that changes things a little bit, but they've still, by and large, I think, done a really nice job. So what does this offense do now moving forward for the rest of the year? If Goldschmidt continues to do what he's doing, if they get Marcelo Zuna back, and he kind of goes back to what he was doing yeah. before the injury, they can be a pretty potent offense. I don't think they're the best in the National League by any means, but they are a team that should score a whole lot more than they did in May and June on a more regular basis. No doubt about it. And they will have their hands full over the course of the next 11 games because, yep. obviously, Houston is one of the best teams in baseball. The Cubs are tied with them, and we know how good the Cubs are, for first in the division. 
Uh, the Dodgers are perhaps the best team in baseball, and the A's are just sneaky great. Every year right. they wind up being really, really good. So the next 11 games, the Cardinals will have their hands full. But uh, I think what you find out in the next 11 games is how you would do come playoff time. And by the way, the Cardinals are along with the Angels. There's only two teams th this year that have swept the Dodgers in a series. Yep. Cardinals are 4-0 against them. The, the Angels have not lost to the Dodgers yet. So maybe the Cardinals are really good, and I think we'll get a better gauge of what they're capable of in these next few games. But then after the next 11, the schedule softens up dramatically yep. for the Cardinals. And, Roger, I, I, I look at what's coming up beyond those 11 and there really isn't much of an excuse for the Cardinals to go down the stretch and dominate their opponents. They yep. get Pittsburgh, yep. Kansas City, Cincinnati. You get Milwaukee at home. You play Colorado, and we don't know whether Colorado's going to bail out or not. Then you get the Brewers and the Reds again by the end of August. Then you move into September, and it's really not that much more dramatically difficult. You get the Giants for four at home. Pittsburgh, the Rockies again, the Brewers, the Nationals will be tough for three here in St. Louis. Then you're at Chicago, at Arizona, and then you get the Cubs to finish up. I don't see a, a stretch like this for the rest of the season. This 11 games, that's coming up close. here. No, it, so the schedule does set up nicely for them on, in theory, right? But, yeah. but for me, when it comes to a baseball schedule, I don't really get too worked up about strength of schedule. It, it doesn't – everybody's playing – but it might be important for this team. because It, 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 it might be. Because that might, what they might be is a team that can beat bad teams but can't beat good teams. And we'll, I think we'll find out over the course of the next couple of weeks about that. But if you can beat bad teams, you have a chance to make the playoffs. But you might not be able to do much once you make the playoffs. Right. Playoffs can be fluky, but I, I like my chances in the postseason better if I've seen my team handle good teams relatively easily during the year you're never really going to dominate all the good teams in baseball there are very yeah. few clubs that do that but if you have a an admirable record against yeah. the best teams in baseball throughout the regular season what it probably means is you have a really good chance when you get to the playoffs and another thing that you like when you get to the playoffs is if you have a guy where all the fans are saying when that guy comes up to the plate okay the guy is coming up, and Schilt appears to have that guy heating up right now. Yeah, it's impressive. He's an impressive guy, and, he, you know, we're seeing um, what he's capable of consistently and not surprised, and, and um, you know, it's a pretty impressive feat, four homers in four games, so it's uh, an accomplishment I'm sure he's going to enjoy, but I know he's um, equally or more pleased the fact that we won, so that's how he is, and, um, you know, good series, good baseball. He has figured it out. Whatever it was that was ailing Paul Goldschmidt appears, appears to have uh, been figured out. And, and hopefully it's happening here in the nick of time with the trade deadline coming up next week um, and with so much of the season left to go. Hopefully this is here to stay. He's, he's the one guy offensively I didn't really worry about. Neither. I guess I had some slight concern, the fact that it extended up to the All-Star break that his struggles were mm -hmm. still kind of there because he usually snaps out of it before then if he's going to have it. But I, I, he's here, right? He's here. All that matters is how long do you keep this going? And I don't really have much doubt when it comes to Paul Goldschmidt. There are other guys in the lineup that I still don't really know what they're going to be. But, but for him, I feel very confident in what he'll be for the remainder of the season. He did, like we mentioned, hit four home runs in four games. He's hit five in his last nine. So I would imagine Paul Goldschmidt is here, and he at least 
as far as this lineup goes, is here to stay. By the way, on his rehab stint in Memphis, Matt Carpenter went 0 for 4 with a couple of strikeouts last night, and he is 0 for 6 now. We'll play one more minor league rehab game before arriving back on the scene tomorrow, and presumably will be activated for the series against Houston. No, it's just like making a trade, Randy. Oh, yeah, a trade yeah. for a guy with a uh, two fifteen batting average. Oh, that, I, mean, I don't know why. Am I mean. giving him too much credit here? Oh. Uh, two fifteen. nope, that's what he said. No, I think that's right. Yeah. So. He didn't have to. He didn't have to dash my spirits like that. Well, it's you're making a trade, but you never yeah. know. The guy might bounce back. I don't think that in 1985, when the Cardinals traded for Cesar Cedeno, that he was doing an awful lot, but he wound up hitting 440 for the Cardinals or something like that. 434. Maybe it's time for him to have another hot August. I would like that a lot. You want to know what Cesar Cedeno was doing in yes. 1985? I would like to know. Okay, then I will tell you. I will tell everybody that wants to know what Cesar Cedeno was doing. <laughs> he, ask ask Barnes what he thinks he was doing. He was hitting steroids? No. Uh, uh, uh. Not, not not in 85. He was hitting uh, 241 <laughs> with a 644 OPS. Jim Cott was the pitching coach yep. for the Reds at the time, and he goes out to breakfast with Whitey, and he says, you know, we probably aren't going to keep Cedeno around. So Whitey goes to Del Maxville. Del Maxville uh, calls up Cincinnati, and they they make a minor deal so that the Cardinals can get Cedeno, who, again, 241, and he had done that in 245 plate appearances for the, the Reds. He had hit uh, three homers and driven in 30, comes to the Cardinals, and in 82 plate appearances, six homers, 19 RBIs, and an OPS of 1.213. And helped carry them to the division title, the league title, and eventually they lost in the World Series. But that was one of the all-time great moves. Cedeno, 241 with the Reds, 434 in a month with the Cardinals. Well, base, you know, that's what's interesting about this sport, Randy. The unknown, the yeah. unexpected. So maybe there's a little unexpected from Matt, Matt Carpenter. Carpenter. Oh, my God, he's going to tear it up. You could hit 434, isn't he? Oh, it? I know. Bunch of homers. But he might. You never it, know. Uh, hey, this could be a season for the ages. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, it could be. I'm totally serious. He's going to start taking walks. He's going to get that on-base percentage up to over, what is it, 340 right yeah. now? He's going to get that up higher. I'm excited. He's going to get on base. You've got me fired up now. Paul Goldschmidt's going to drive him in. Yep. Five runs a night minimum. Okay. <laughs> for the team. For the well, no, no, for yeah, for the team. Okay. Yeah, not for <laughs> not for Carpenter. So the Cardinals uh, win today with their offense performing again at a high level, six to three, and they will go into tomorrow night's game with Houston, tied for first in the NL Central. I don't know if the Cubs. Do the Cubs play tomorrow afternoon? Let's check that out. Maybe they won't be tied for first tomorrow at the beginning of the game. I believe But they'll spend a day in for, uh, tied for oh first. Oh, no, I think it's Cubs-Milwaukee this weekend. Okay, good. So, and I believe they're at Miller Park, which... So um, that means it'll be a night it'll game. It'll be a night game It is. Tomorrow, you got yeah. it exactly right. So tomorrow night when the Cardinals take the field against Houston, they'll be tied for first in the NL Center. So we're rooting for the Brewers tomorrow. I don't care. Doesn't matter, right? No, just... I'm rooting for the Cardinals. Keep your... Yeah, there you go. Just go about your business. By the way, Carpenter's OBP is 321, not 340. So let's get it up to 360 by the end of the season. Ah, oh, that would be fantastic. Now, now we're really cooking with gas. Oh, big time. That's Ron. I'm Randy. We're at the Science Center in the city of St. Louis, right at the corner of Kings Highway and 40. And 
We'd love to have you stop by and say hi. Uh, they've got pictures of us that we are happy to autograph. Some of the kids have already stopped by and enjoyed an autograph. And there's a great exhibit, the Pompeii exhibit here at the Science Center as well. My favorite thing about a young child coming up to us with pictures of us to sign, we, we have the photos here, is uh, when he gives us, he or she gives us the look of, I don't know who you are, but please sign this. Yeah. It's my favorite thing. Pretty funny. It's coming up in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Our hot topics of the day will include uh, St. Louisan, who has decided that he doesn't want to start practicing quite yet. That's next on 101 ESPN. The Cardinals got off to a good start today in Pittsburgh on their way to a 6-3 victory. Jose Martinez singled home Tommy Edmond in the first inning, and then Paul DeYoung hit a sacrifice fly to make it 2-0 after a sack fly for Brian Reynolds of the Pirates in the third. Cardinals came back in the fourth, a solo homer for... Paul Goldschmidt, Colton Wong with a solo homer as well to make it 4-1. to one. Dexter Fowler hit a two-run homer in the fifth to make it 6-1. to one. The Pirates scored a couple of runs in the bottom of the sixth, and that was all the scoring for the day. Miles Michaelis gets the win for the Cardinals. Carlos Martinez comes on for the save, and the Redbirds win it 6-3. to three. They sweep the four-game series against Pittsburgh. They've won five in a row, and they are tied for first in the National League Central. And they have effectively buried those two teams. The Reds now are eight games out of first place in the Central. The Pirates are currently nine games. So this is it. This is the work the Cardinals needed to do immediately out of the break. They have. I don't really think you could ask for more, quite frankly. it's If you're asking for more than what they've given in the last couple of weeks, then I think you're asking for a little bit too much. This is this is very, very good, and, and people should be happy about this performance. A couple of other finals today in baseball. Jacob deGrom with seven scoreless innings, and the Mets down the Padres by a score of 4 nothing. deGrom hasn't been what he was last year. He's still pretty darn good, yeah. but he just hasn't. It's, it's almost impossible to be as good as he was last year in this era. Do you think they'd uh, give him to us? No. They're not using him. So could we just have him? He's not going to help them win. Exactly. So Until the Wilpons sell that team, they're not going yeah, they're, anywhere. They are done. That's over. Just give us DeGrom. Give us, Good uh, thought. Give us Thor. And give we'll us take that Diaz guy, too. Is yes. That? I'll I'll take uh, and uh, uh, Pete. Give, me, give us Pete. Yeah, Pete Alonso. Yep. I don't know where he'd play him. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> and the Rockies are playing the Nationals this afternoon. They are scoreless as they play in the second. The Cubs have this day off, and the Cardinals will spend at least the next 24 hours tied with Chicago atop the National League Central, and the Brewers have this day off as well. So those are your baseball headlines of the day. Football training camps are underway, but St. Louis and Burroughs grad Ezekiel Elliott was not on the plane to L.A. with the majority of the Dallas Cowboys. And he is going to miss the start of training camp. He had threatened to hold out, and apparently he is going to hold out. Well, I think you're going to see this happening a lot. We already have in the last couple of years with uh, Le'Veon Bell being part of this. Um, you're going to see this a lot from the running backs in the league and the guys who have had even one good year. I, I believe this is going to happen a lot because as the years go on, teams have figured out how to have a running game without having an exceptional running back. And their thought process is, we have a cap. We'd like to allocate that money somewhere else than the running back position. So the running backs, in order to make that up, 
are going to do as much as they can to cash in as quickly as they can, knowing their shelf life is short and knowing they're going to have very limited earning potential. So you're probably going to see a lot of this. The question is, how much leverage are they ultimately going to have and do they cave in? The teams will not cave. When you look at the Rams giving Gurley the big contract just last year, and now his future is certainly in question, if not in doubt. When you look at the Cowboys signing DeMarco Murray yep. to the huge contract, and he never played well for the Cowboys after he got the big contract from them. And then when he signed with Philadelphia as well, big contracts for running backs, because they do have such a short shelf life, are really a proposition that are, are, is dicey. Yeah, and, and the running backs are, it's all about scheme now. It's all about the system you're in, the coaches you have, whatever kind of offense you're running. That's what it's about. It isn't necessarily about the running back himself anymore. And this hard reality is starting to set in, I think, with a lot of these guys. So you're going to see, until it stops working, and it eventually worked for Bell, he got paid from another team. So ultimately he got what he wanted. Most of these guys are not going to get what they want. So I would really like to know how the league and how the players are going to adjust to this moving forward because teams have figured out how to have a run game without necessarily having the best athlete yeah. there. A couple of other football notes. Taylor Lewin of the Titans is facing a PED suspension, but he told reporters today that he's going to appeal that ban because, quote, I'm innocent. That's what they all say. He Has says, it's unfortunate because a lot of media people started to sniff around, started to get a hold of it, and I just wanted to make sure that I was the one to break the news of his impending suspension. But uh, I don't think the guy is going to win that Just, battle. Just one of these times I want the guy to go, ha, ha, you got me. <laughs> you got me. Wouldn't that be you guys fun? are good. How did you do it? Yeah. How did you figure it out? So, yeah, it's, it wasn't my stuff. Nah, it was totally mine. You got me. Yeah. Good so. job by you guys. You investigators, you're really you good. And Steeler fans primarily don't like Mike Tomlin, even though he's one of the best coaches in the league. He gets an extension through 2021. He was one of the guys that people thought was on the hot seat. Now he gets a contract extension for this coming season and the season after that. Hey. Uh, uh, two seasons after that. Just be happy, Pittsburgh. You could have Jeff. Yeah, you could. Old Jeff. Good guy, huh? Yeah. Hey, the Blues made a deal today. Jordan Schmaltz is on his way to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Jordan, we hardly knew you. And in return, they get uh, Andreas, what is his name? I can't remember. Andreas Borgman, who is a two-way player. So this means the Blues are going to save a little bit of, of cap room of here, too. Yeah. So That's a good thing. Uh, yeah, defenseman, four defensemen. And I think that Schmaltz had gotten his opportunity here in St. Louis. When's the last time you've heard uh, Jordan Schmaltz's name? Now. Before today. Oh, I think we talked about him during the playoffs, maybe, just that he was a guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe we did. Here's the way I see it. I don't think a team can have two guys with a name as close as uh, Jordan Schmaltz and Jaden Schwartz. It's way too confusing. Too difficult. So they had really, forget the cap space, forget opening up about $700,000, forget all that stuff. It was just way too confusing having both those guys on the roster. It will be interesting to see if this provides the Blues enough cap room to bring Patrick Maroon back. Yes, it will. And obviously they have to sign Barbashev, and uh, they still have to sign Edmondson. Mm -hmm. They have to sign those two, but does that seven hundred grand give them enough to bring Maroon back? I think this Maroon thing could end up lasting a, a several more weeks. 
this may not be so. resolved for a while. And he didn't sign until late last year with Correct. the Blues. So it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. And it seems like he's kind of waiting to see what happens with the Blues. And you know what? He should. He should cash in as much as he possibly can. I, I will never blame a player for doing that. They, Look, this is their business. And they know what their limit is. They know what their earning potential is. So do whatever you can to maximize the great run he just had. Obviously, it would be wonderful to bring him back to St. Louis. He's a hometown hero, and he's always going to be. But And, and even if he does go cash in somewhere else and get a multi-year contract and make a whole lot more than he would make here, he's still going to be a St. Louis hometown hero. Forever. So, yeah. Forever. So do what you got to do, big boy. Yep. Hey, uh, Ron, you remember Lorenzen Wright, really good college basketball player, a serviceable NBA guy. Yeah. Uh, he's dead now. His uh, body was found in a swampy field in Memphis in July of 2010. And today, the ex-wife of Lorenzen pled guilty to facilitation of first-degree murder in his shooting death. Mm. She's, it was a surprise development in one of Memphis's biggest murder cases ever. Shara Wright also pled guilty to facilitation of a criminal attempt to commit first-degree murder in a hearing in Shelby County Criminal Court. Judge Lee Coffey sentenced her to 30 years in prison. And this, once again, goes back to the old adage, happy wife, happy life. Unhappy wife, no life. And of all places, she met the person who killed him in church. Isn't that so that's a, hey, that is a, that's quite an upset. Yeah. I don't think I ever would have, <laughs> where, where did you guys meet? Oh. At church. Oh. At the church yeah. we attend. So uh, that's a, it's a shame for Lorenzo. Hey, we're <laughs> We're in the and house of God. Can I hire you to kill somebody for me? <laughs> <laughs> this is not the... I can't believe we're having this conversation yeah. here. And I'll, I'll give you one other uh, fun NBA note. Rachel Nichols interviewed Kawhi Leonard and Paul George for ESPN, and Paul George said that when he agreed to go to Oklahoma City, when he agreed to, to that long-term contract, they both said, oh, we'll give it a year and see how it works out, and if it doesn't, I'll, I'll move on. Well, he told that to Rachel Nichols, and then the general manager of the Oklahoma City Thunder, Sam Presti, said, no, that never happened. We didn't huh. agree for him to be traded. I was shocked when he asked to be traded. Oh, my gosh. And did you see the report that the reason the Lakers didn't end up with him is because Magic Johnson knew about that meeting? Well, he was part of the meeting, and Kawhi wanted everything on the down low, and then Magic apparently, allegedly, went out and blabbed about it to everybody, and... They said, Kawhi said, well, we can't trust the organization because we asked you to keep this quiet, and you didn't do it. And it wasn't even the organization. It was magic. Isn't that amazing? He's, uh, dude, he is not good at that job. Uh, he doesn't have the job anymore, but he's, there's a reason he doesn't. Yeah. And uh, September 10th at Bush Stadium, the announcement today, the USA will play. You suggested Uruguay. It will be the USA and Uruguay at Bush Stadium at 8 p.m. on September 10th. So, once again... St. Louis, the Cardinals, Bush Stadium doing a great job of bringing high, high, high-profile soccer to St. Louis and to the, uh, the ballpark. And so you'll get to see the U.S. men's national team September 10th. That'll be really cool. I hope they beat them. I hope so, too. Those are your hot topics of the day on 101 ESPN. Next up, today is Ryan O'Reilly's day with the Stanley Cup, and our Blues insider Jeremy Rutherford has been riding along with the celebration throughout the day. He'll be next on 101 ESPN. And Jeremy Rutherford is in Seaforth, Ontario, the home of Ryan O'Reilly, who has the Stanley Cup today. And JR is with us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. JR, how'd the day go for Ryan O'Reilly? 
Oh, it was beautiful here in uh, Sea Forest, Ontario, as you mentioned, and also uh, made the trip uh, over about a half hour to Goderich, Ontario. Uh, Ryan grew up in a few different parts here in the Ontario area, and uh, as you would uh, believe Ryan O'Reilly would do, he, he allowed as many people to be part of this day as possible, like a lot of the other St. Louis Blues are doing. He had uh, two gymnasiums full of people, uh, young kids uh, crying when they touched the Stanley Cup, and Ryan made a lot of uh, dreams come true today. We had Phil Pritchard on last week, the keeper of the cup, and and I, I don't recall who he was talking about specifically, but uh, being in Canada or being in a small town and how people from several towns over are coming into that town to see the cup, and there just isn't enough space for all these people. When you are, are witnessing something like this, is that what the towns are like? They're just completely over capacity with the amount of people that can't wait to see this thing? Yeah, Chris, it's amazing. Uh, I've never been here before, uh, obviously, and, and got here yesterday. And just to see Main Street, I tweeted some pictures for some people uh, who were on Twitter. Uh, they had the congratulations, Ryan O'Reilly. They had the blue and yellow ribbon up and down Main Street. They had pictures of them. Everybody was wearing uh, shirts. They were uh, selling shirts today, by the way, uh, that said Ryan O'Reilly's Day with the Cup and selling them for $20. And Ryan O'Reilly is matching dollar for dollar and that's going to go to a, a good uh, program for, for young kids. And uh, to answer your question, I did speak to a number of people in both Seaforth and Goderich today, and, and I said, oh, hey, you're from Seaforth, you're from Goderich? And they'd say, no, from uh, Clinton or, you know, from uh, such and such city that's 45 minutes away, and they were. They were driving 45 minutes an hour uh, to be part of this. Uh, but just to see the community come together, uh, talk to a couple of the councilmen, uh, just a, a, a great situation for all these small towns to get a piece of uh, the Blues and Ryan O'Reilly's success. JR, I had no idea that it was like this when a team won a Stanley Cup. I, I knew that players got their day with the Cup, but I didn't realize what a big deal it was for cities like these, and it's been that way for every single outpost that a Blues player or coach has taken the Cup to. Yeah, it has, and uh, Eric Dehachek did a great story the other day at The Athletic uh, about this. I believe it started in the uh, the 80s, just on a whim. Uh, one night, uh, one of the players said, hey, would you mind bringing the cup by my house uh, tomorrow just so some folks can get a look at it? And uh, from then on, I think a couple years later, it started to become where it was every player on the team. Um, you know, other sports don't do this with their trophy. That's one of the things that I think makes the Stanley Cup uh, special. And we've seen the pictures. The Blues have done a great job of uh, documenting everything that these guys are doing. They've been with them every step of the way. Um, you're talking about um, Alex Petrangelo and Robbie Fabry putting pasta in it. I think uh, Chris Butler had some chocolate milk in it. Uh, Pat Maroon had uh, toasted ravioli, of course. Uh, you could go on and on. Uh, but uh, it, it's just a thrill. Pat Maroon, I think, said it best. He said it's like planning a wedding. I can't imagine all the detail Ryan O'Reilly and his family uh, put in. Uh, to make this day happen because uh, it was somewhere every second of the day getting a picture taken or somebody uh, touching it. What a, what a thrill for these guys. And, and I'm still amazed at, and I mentioned the keeper of the cup, the schedule that guy is on because it, it does literally go to a, another player the very next day. So I don't know how that dude sleeps at all getting that <laughs> cup to the next dude. I, I don't know how this happens. Logistically, it seems like a nightmare. Oh, you're right. Uh, just to keep up with it. And I realize there's some sort of pattern to it. You see that it, it started in Western Canada with Craig Berube and, and made its way through uh, Saskatchewan with uh, Jaden Schwartz, uh, Braden Shen, and, 
you know, then uh, came down to St. Louis for a couple of days here recently, and now it's going back through. I went through Detroit, and now into Ontario. I think we'll see uh, Robert Thomas and David Perron um, get it next. You know, Phil Pritchard, I talked to him a couple weeks ago right after the parade. Um, I, I don't know that he's there every single step of the way unless he told you guys that. Uh, I didn't see him today, but he was uh, tweeting some pictures. But he does a phenomenal job, and, gosh, he must just go into every uh, summer realizing that he's not going to get a lot of downtime because uh, he, he's right there with it and, and on the run nonstop. JR, I'm assuming, uh, based on one of your tweets today, that we will never get away from the song Gloria, which is fine. <laughs> You know what? Uh, there's there's a square in downtown Goderich. It's just terrific. It's just nothing but uh, shops. It was the perfect scene for a parade today. Uh, everybody was out, and there's a, a courthouse in the middle of the square. Hopefully I can describe it uh, well to you guys. And I'm telling you, they had Gloria blaring like I have never heard it blared before. I'm talking the entire blues run, everything. I've heard it uh, in some loud places, but not as loud as I heard it today. And it was on a loop, of course, and uh, they probably played it for over an hour. And uh, a lady next to me, I, I heard her say, don't they have another tune? And the guy next to her just said, nope. <laughs> every, I saw older people dancing in the streets to Gloria. Uh, it is amazing. I know we've been talking about that phenomenon for months and months and months. But, I mean, to be in small-town Canada, see O'Reilly uh, in, the, in the convertible uh, with the Stanley Cup, and hear Gloria blaring in the background. It just, it, it's just amazing. You did tweet out a photo today, which I think is humorous. I don't really know the backstory to it, um, and maybe there isn't much of one. But it, it seemed funny to me. They had to post a sign that pointed one way for where Ryan O'Reilly is, and then if you wanted to go to the YMCA, you had to go to the left. Like, what, what is going on there? Because it, the image is funny to me, but I would like to know why <laughs> they felt the need to put that sign up. I'm glad it was funny to somebody else because when I walked in that uh, YMCA, and, and by the way, this is uh, in Gatterich, you're talking, there's a YMCA, and they have a rink that has uh, ice uh, 12 months a year, and Ryan O'Reilly actually does his training there. I talked to the general manager, and she was telling me how O'Reilly, he gets done with his workouts, and uh, he'll talk to the kids, and, and they look up to him, and so he, this was a special place for him to bring the cup today, but yeah, I walk in there, and there's a eight and a half by 10 white piece of computer paper, and they actually tell you uh, left arrow uh, to the YMCA and right arrow to uh, Ryan O'Reilly. I want to say that nobody was at the Y today. Everybody <laughs> was in the line uh, for Ryan O'Reilly. And, uh, you know, he lets as many people come up and get a picture of it with it as possible. Um, obviously, you can't fit everybody. But the one little cool scene that I saw today was, you know, one young boy, uh, he got cut off and in line and uh, he wasn't going to be able to uh, to get up there and get a picture taken with the cup and i saw one of uh kind of the emergency responders just kind of take them and walk them up there and get them about 20 feet away and and kind of do a, a picture with ryan and then the trophy in the background so just great people up here and uh, it was cool to see that kid uh, get uh, his day made jr one last thing for you and this is in regards to the Blues trade today. They get a depth defenseman, Andreas Borgman, from Toronto in exchange for Jordan Schmaltz and save $700,000 in cap. And I, I'm guessing that uh, there are a lot of people that are listening right now saying, okay, does this edge the Blues closer to being able to re-sign Patrick Maroon? Do you think it does? No, I don't think that's the case because this is a deal. George Schmaltz did have a one-way deal, so it does clear $700,000 off the books. I mean, they were going to send him to the minor leagues uh, anyway, and so that would not have been on the NHL salary cap. Uh, it does give them a little more flexibility in terms of you know not having that one-way 
deal on their uh, payroll. But I don't think it gets them any closer to uh, to Pat Maroon. I think that still has to play out. I think that's still uh, you know up in the air, tied to uh, what they're going to have to do with Joel Edmondson. Uh, I wrote about him this morning. His case uh, could go to arbitration. That's on August 4th. You know how much is he going to get paid? You know I think uh, the, both the Blues and Pat Maroon. Probably, you know, it's not a, a rush or anything where they believe something for sure will get done. Uh, but I think uh, if there's any hope for Pat Maroon to still be a blue, uh, Doug Armstrong's going to have to let those situations play out before he sees how much money he has left over. Great work as always in Canada, and uh, thanks very much for your time. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. That is Jeremy Rutherford. He's our Blues Insider from The Athletic on 101 ESPN. And we will bring you a 4 o'clock fight from here at the Science Center. That's next on 101 ESPN.